This is it. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. The moment four people you've probably never heard of with little to no announcement or fanfare released the first three episodes of a brand new show. What does this mean, you ask? This means that you, listener and potential new friend, have a new show to listen to. This means that every other week, you'll get to hang out with my friends Matt and Max, my wife Mikey, and myself, Nick, for a while as we roll some dice and tell some tales. And you know what? Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to listen to what we're playing and for hanging out. Now, with all the laughy giggly haha out of the way, let me touch on one important thing. When we started recording this show, we had zero idea what we were doing. We were complete beginners to every aspect of making a show, aside from the actual Dungeons & Dragons gameplay itself. Which is to say, we weren't entirely comfortable behind the mics and our recording quality is pretty low. Looking back now, with the number of episodes recorded and ready to go, it's laughable how far we've come. We have much better mics now, and we're all four just more comfortable being ourselves. And I think that how much fun we're having really shines through. That said, kick back, relax, and enjoy episode one of Knucklebones on the road again. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. White is all we see. Quietly, but slowly growing louder, we hear the sound of leaves rustling in the wind. Louder and louder. Followed by the faint sounds of birds chirping. And then we see green amongst the white as the swaying branches of a tree and a single crow slowly come into focus. After a caw, the crow takes to the sky and we follow, seeing what she sees as warm air carries her above the capital of Arbalea, the city of every road, Madrigal. We pass over thatched roofs, which give way to clay and tile roofs, and residents carry out their daily duties. We see a bell tower rising high above the buildings nearby. As its ring echoes through the town, the crow flies circles around the peaks of the stone. On towards the castle, she flies, cawing above the many spires and towers of the royal court. Families of nobility meander through and across the well-maintained courtyards, while a score of oath knights exit the castle's entrance, the poinsettia of Madrigal emblazoned on their crimson-colored chest pieces. For an instant, the crow perches on a parapet of one of the many great walls. And then, just as quickly as she came, the crow again takes to the skies of the immense walled city. She flies higher and higher as Madrigal grows smaller and smaller behind her. She makes way towards the grassy hills and the pass leading through the great mountain range of Sirfindal. Further and further she flies, and then further still, until, in the waning light of the setting sun, the sounds of shouting voices and a clanking of steel echo through the air. Our guide gracefully sets down on an outcropping of stone just in time to see the final moments of a small skirmish. Max, what does she see? They see two men back to back, and one of them says something low to the other, 
and runs behind a bush and then another person pops out of that bush and they they've got a bow and they just rip a bow right into uh one of these goblins throats and uh yell something absolutely indistinguishable to the goblin that is about 20 feet away from them as the goblin dies freeze frame matt what do they see um this other figure that was uh, just a moment ago back to back with this um figure we just heard about is a sort of um Tall man looks to be in his mid to early 40s. He's got like a gleaming breastplate and fine clothes on. And he has pirouetted around um, what is clearly this, uh, you know, battle plan that his partner has. And you see him sort of darting in and out, almost fencer-like before skewering one of the goblins with his rapier. Ah. Mikey, what do they see? They see a small stocky gnome probably uh as round in breast and belly as she is tall she has cherubic cheeks that are marbled browns and reds like a piece of briggs jasper and save for the crinkles of age near her eyes her skin is the texture of a piece of burnished clay she is running at a goblin and drops quickly to her knees truthfully only lowering her stature a few inches and whips out her oak quarterstaff that's shot on either end in iron and just whacks his knees out from under him. As he hits the ground, the companion to the gnome that we see reaches out his four webbed, sticky, moist fingers and crackles of energy leave the strong webbed fingers of the grung who is now staring with his black protruding eyes from underneath a wide-rimmed conical hat which is embellished with stars and embroidery and sparkles in the sun as the goblin hits the ground the sparks fly forth from the grung and together, this duo has taken care of yet another goblin. Wow. Freeze frame. Welcome to Madrigal. Ka-chow. All right, well... I can't speak for you guys, but I'm pretty excited to get playing, to dive into this story. Uh, I've been working on it for a little bit of a little bit of time now. Um, I, I think you guys are going to enjoy what I've got prepared, what, I've, what I have ready to go, uh, locked and loaded at least. We'll see. We'll see how, how far all of it gets us. But before we can sink our teeth into what I have prepared, I think we should actually officially meet our players. You've met these three characters. Let's meet their uh, their players. Uh, first up, Max. Who are you? Uh, my name's Max. I am playing uh, Lizus Throvichel, the uh, changeling bard. And very rarely will you get a straightforward answer on what Liza looks like, just for the uh, exact reasoning that many locals around the area can't seem to get a uh, straightforward answer on what Liza looks like. I dig it. I dig it. How about you, Matt? Who are, who are you again? 
Oh, well, I am Matt, and I will be playing Galtier de Jumeau, uh, Oath Knight to this here fine kingdom of Madrigal. Mm. That's some juicy stuff. Uh, Mikey, who are you? I'm Mikey, and I will be playing Baba the Burbage, who is a gnome artificer, and her companion, who is a uh, delightful, uh, beautiful creature, a grung spellcaster named Blip. Nice. I am not altogether entirely familiar with either the artificer or the sidekick rules that were recently released in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So I'm kind of looking forward to you filling me in on all of those detailed rules mechanics that I'm not familiar with. Oh, it will be my pleasure. Oh, I'm so ready for us to just make up new rules. Let's do this. <laughs> 100%. Or we could just read the rule book instead of playing. Uh, readings for dorks. Artificers roll, um, re-roll anything that's under a 10, right? Yep, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, that's definitely canon. Okay, it's been codified. Uh, I'm to send an email to Jeremy Crawford. That seems a little... Listen, he's Perfect. really busy right you know, now. He knows better I than I do. Knows he knows better than I do. You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well... And who, who are you, sir? Strange man who has gathered us here today. I forget about myself. I just get so preoccupied and, and so into your guys' characters that I forget all about me. Um, hi, my name is Nick, and I'm going to be playing the role of your narrator, your storyteller, uh, your game master. Nice to meet you, players and PCs and listeners alike. You guys want to play? Hell yeah. Yes, please. Oh, yes, I would like to play too. Who is that? Hello, yes, I'd like to play this game. Hello, oh, yes. Hi. I'm Hello. playing fun, fun game. Fun game. Fun, fun, game. With fun game with join, yes. I, I brought my clogs for play game. Oh, gaming clogs, yes. Good time. Guys, why? wait a minute. Hold on, wait. Do we need to cancel the whole podcast and just be like a yodeling <laughs> group? Like, is that... Yeah. Did we fuck it all up by not doing that? No, no monsters you cannot fight without good yodel song. I think we really missed the boat shoe on that one. Ooh, nice. Ooh. Uh, hey, hey, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a solid three out of ten. That's pretty good. <laughs> I was going for a five. Nick, save us. Save us from ourselves. Save us. A short break after finishing off a trio of goblins, our friends are back on the road, en route home to Madrigal, the most influential city in the lands. Dotted along the nice cobblestone roads are a number of roadhouses, where travelers along the main road can find rest, reprieve, warm beds, and warm food. This close to Madrigal, the roadhouse is fairly large, two-story, timber-framed, and it looks like it has a newly redone red clay tile roof. Even a maintained stable is built onto the side, and a single horse is tethered inside. It's this roadhouse that we're looking at as our friends Babitha, Liza, and Galtier approach in the early night. Uh, Nick, you said the roadhouse is fairly large. Approximately how many Swayzes is it? It's going to be about 12 dozen Swayzes. And, and if you're following at home, that is oh, cool. a gross Swayze. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> gross. Of, of course, yeah. Gotcha. It's a gross of Swayze's in, in size. Um, 
I like to feel like that's one of those words that over time gets mushed together. So it's just like a yeah, gross it's, a gr- it's, it's about one gross wazy. Gross wazy. Everyone knows means it doesn't. It means you could fit. Oh, it's a gross twelve swazies. Swazies inside this roadhouse. Oh, okay. Um, probably. Okay. okay. Are we talking like cremated swazies or like nineteen eighty five? I really regret to inform you that twelve dozen cremated like, like is not very shoulder big. to shoulder. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, they they have to be still fully corporeal men. They're just nut to butt. Uh, gotcha. Oh. gotcha. Okay. Okay. And stacked on top, yeah, are we doing dimensional like, measurement? Maybe. Like, are Very similar. Stacked in every corner of Swayze's. <laughs> so these are. Okay, great. So these are 144 Vitruvian Swayze's. Oh, right. <laughs> so I many got biceps. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So many so dicks. So many biceps. Oh, um, God, I'd like to get a dex. Well, uh, Nick, I, I, we, we go into the roadhouse, guys? You guys want to go inside? Roadhouse. Is this a uh, Nick? Is this a roadhouse that uh, we passed on the way up to our? Yeah, yeah. You guys would mission? be uh, relatively familiar at this point. Your trip up to Sierfendal to the small town of Clayton Grove would have been about ten days ago. You were here last, and you would have stayed, assuming the timing was right. If you guys were here in the evening, you would have stayed here, um, or at least passed by and got lunch or something. So you would be familiar with the location and uh, probably the bartender inside. You guys approach and and enter the roadhouse inside it smells like cigarettes and apple pie there's a dozen round tables that are just sort of dotted around the room and there's a number of people there's a a man in cargo pants that's playing a tune on a lute he's not singing he's just kind of plucking around off to the far side of the room there's a a couple of figures that are playing some board game that you can't really see their their backs are all kind of towards you and closest to the door there's these four old-looking gnomes that are just wearing cloaks and hats. That they look like they might have been on the road for a little while. There's also a, a half-orc sitting across from a table with a man, and they just kind of seem uh, into each other having a, some sort of a conversation. And as you guys enter, this silence just kind of falls on the room just for a second as everybody watches you walk in. And then from behind the roadhouse bar, uh, an older woman with a red ribbon in her hair, she she acknowledges you and says, "Anywhere you'd like, then I'll be there in a moment." There's there's a good a good number of empty tables, so you have kind of your your choice of where you want to sit or what you want to do. Wow, thank you, madam. Uh, I think Gaultier is like the kind of guy that when he walks in and it, and there's that weird moment of it, like it gets quiet because everyone looks up, he immediately is like. Well, hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful evening yourselves. Sure is a weary road out there. We'll just take this table right down over here. Uh, We'll just pick like a, you know, middle of the room type table. Yeah, one of the one of the figures sitting at the far side of the of the room when you say it's a weary, weary road. um, They just kind of like raise their their drink. They don't look back or anything, but it's just kind of a acknowledgement of, yeah, it definitely is, isn't it? Liza is going to be following at a, a fair distance because at this point they know that every time Galtier goes into a location where people may start looking at him, um, he's going to say something and draw attention to himself. And Liza knows um, I'm just going to kind of chill, walk in a little bit afterwards, kind of play the scene, um, figure out what's going on. First thing they're going to do is go up to the 
um, barkeep and just ask about uh, the not uh, not poor bard, but they're just going to uh, say to the barkeep, Hello, um, I am curious. Are you in need of perhaps not shitty entertainment? Hey, I heard that. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, my friend. Are you an apprentice, or uh, I can I can help you? I I, I am proficient. Uh, I know quite many instruments. I have a spare shawm um, and 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 drum. Uh, we we can have a wonderful performance together if if you so wish. I uh, I got I got a pot that I like to hit with this spoon. Is that oh. is that all right? That sounds that sounds very very wonderful. Uh, if you would mind keeping the beat, I would I would love uh, to entertain uh, all of my friends here. Um, and I'm basically uh, Liza is basically just going to um, enthrall the group uh, with some boys to men beats. Yeah. My master, when I first learned how to play musical instruments, the the number one thing they told me was when you are bad i mean when you are inexperienced at a musicalness you must first get drunk and learn the the instrument drunk and then you will then find it so much easier once you are sober so i really think this is a good opportunity for it does sound sound doesn't it yes well please if you if you want to entertain everybody feel free absolutely uh what is it that you're drinking by the way um i stick with walter and then i I, I enchanted myself with some um, drugs to make me hallucinate <laughs> so hard. It is, it is truly. It, it. I don't. I think you might die if you try it. So I just drink <laughs> my drug water. They'll definitely die, love. Don't be giving out your drugs. You know, I only make those for you. Absolutely, my love. Thank you. Uh, seeing Liza making her little special cocktail, uh, Galtier is going to lean lean over to Babitha back at the table and be like, "Now." Nah. You did just give her a little bit of lemongrass, right? She keeps telling everybody about this uh, drug water. She's going to be all right now, isn't she? Babitha looks at you uh, a little incredulously and says, As if I would only give her lemongrass. Who do you... What? Sir, I'm... Ugh! Ugh! And she starts to kind of get flustered in her disgust. You notice that... Blep takes this opportunity where you're clearly distracted by Babitha to just shoot his tongue out and grab your drink and pull it over to him and uh, start silently sipping it. Uh, At which point, Babitha then goes, Oh, I'm sorry, dear. What what, what were we talking about? Oh, God's damn. Every time I turn my head, that little slimy bastard. There's no reason for you to speak to me like that. There's just, the tripping is just coming out in one long sustained creak. And he stares at you with those, those black, just fathomless eyes. And (laughs) you feel bad about it. You really feel bad about it. You start to feel like, maybe there was something in that trip that, it just like really like spoke to your inner child 
and just really found like where young Gautier was really scared and just pulled that out. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, he's just drinking your drink. So. I should send you back to the Merklands from whence you came. I have to say I've not spent much time in the company of, well, wild creatures, though this one's not, doesn't seem so wild, does he? Well, he's, he's not wild. He's a person. He's fucking wild, my dude. <laughs> now, just not but a moment ago, he stole my drink and then made me feel the very fibers of my being that there was some sort of existential threat that has been dogging after me for my entire life with only the look of his eyes and the croaks of his slimy little throat. I think he might be wild. I think this gentleman might be onto something. I've never seen anybody else steal somebody's drink with their tongue before. Well, then you haven't been to the good bars, my dear lady. Eliza <laughs> just slips the barkeep a um, an extra coin uh, and basically is just like, Anytime that, anytime that goddamn little feud gets going, please just feed the big man some extra drink or food. I just, he gets so defensive and I just don't want to deal with it tonight. So the big pretty one, just, just feed him, just give him drink. We're all good. Liza, um, how long, do you, how long are you going to play? Um... I would say Liza probably plays three songs and then kind of realizes that they are wearing their welcome. And as a as a music, uh, musically gifted person in a room that just wants to drink, so I'm gonna go sit down with Gaultier and uh, Babitha and Blep. <laughs> um, all right, you guys keep on keep eating and keep drinking. Um, it sounds like you guys are trying to keep to yourselves and and stay out of stay out of everybody's way. Gaultier, your your comes back with another mug of ale. Oh, wow. thank you, madam. I'm just out of curiosity where uh, might be one of the better taverns. You mentioned something about the good ones. Uh, have you ever made your way down to the city of Ever Road, Madrigal itself? Madrigal? Well, I've been there a time or two, but I usually stick over here to Dorsey. Don't make it out to the big cities often. More of a small-town gal myself. Well, now, I'm sure there's a long list of fine establishments around here for you to have yourself a drink and a nice dance, but, of course, big things come down in the big city, so if you ever find yourself out there, make your way to the upper districts and see if you can't catch yourself a good time. Sorry, I'm afraid I didn't catch your name. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Galtier Desjumeaux, pleasure to meet you. Uh, she winks at you and walks away. The, the drinks keep coming, and the bard keeps playing. Even after Liza steps off the stage, he goes back to kind of noodling around on his uh, on his lute that he has, and then kind of tapping some percussive beats on the with the pot and spoon. <laughs> um, he's he's not particularly bad. It's just not um, it's not your traditional bard performance, right? This is just a guy that knows how to play. And overall, the evening passes pass, passes pretty nicely as a stay in one of these roadhouses often does these are pretty protected places there it's kind of an establishment that's maintained by the kingdom in madrigal the kingdom of madrigal they maintain all the roads in good condition and all the roadhouse so they keep them stocked particularly for travelers and because 
any official business that needs to be taken to, for example, Sirfindal, where you guys are coming from, they need to have their traders and trade routes be safe and protected. So you guys are eating and kind of enjoying and drinking, keeping to yourselves over, over the course of this evening. And as you guys are uh, laughing amongst yourself, uh, Blep has just stolen another drink from Galtier. You hear the door kind of shudders behind you. It's it kind of you hear it shake and then it just kind of slams open. Stepping in from outside is a, a rather large man who is wearing a crimson breastpiece with a poinsettia engraved in it, and he steps in and the sight of an oath knight isn't unheard of, but to to be in the presence of one is still something akin to seeing a celebrity. So everybody kind of stops and, and looks at him in shock and awe and also more awe. And he steps in and he, he strides in and while everybody's looking at him, he meets eye everybody and he says, if I could have your attention, please. You as well, please, everybody. I'm simply curious, has there been a call to the Oath Knights that has gone unanswered? You, sir, has a you or any of your family ever not been responded to by an Oath Knight when you found yourself in need? He's talking to one of the gnomes right next to the door, and the gnome, he kind of like leans back and, and shakes his head. No, they always, they always come. Just as I've suspected. I call on you now, any here willing, Acknowledge your loyalty to the king. Summon your courage and sacrifice only your sleep tonight. I, Sir Otis Thatherton, Oath Knight, seek aid and call upon any of you brave enough to answer my plea. He looks around and pretty quickly locks eyes with Galtier. Uh, you, sir, in the armor. Why, yes. I would naturally assume that someone of stature such as yours would be brave enough to aid an Oath Knight in need. Uh, I think Galtier gets up, like out of his chair, sort of slowly, and um, you know, is kind of like very purposefully, slowly straightening out the armor, making sure his sword is, you know, well displayed. And he's like, "Well, now, of course, you have accurately judged me as a fine swordsman and an even finer man." And he's like looking around the the room. What's uh now? What did you say your name was again? I'm Sir Otis Thatherton. You may have heard of me or my deeds. Nick, is this somebody, uh, like, with my core connections? Would I know this person or know of this person? Give me a history roll, and we'll see if maybe you've heard of him. Uh, that is a, ooh, it's a nine. Uh, it's not It's not ringing a bell, but there are uh, quite a number of uh, Oath Knights, so the idea that you wouldn't know one by name uh, isn't necessarily ridiculous. Okay, yeah. Uh, Galtier sees the armor and the, you know, the just general like demeanor and is fully on board. Um, and he, he's sort of like, again, straightening up and really playing to the rest of the room. And it's just like, well, of course, uh, me and my fine compatriots here, I think we could uh, give, your, give you a hand, help you with whatever little bother has you uh, so put out in this moment. Could you perhaps describe the problem that our great king needs our assistance to handle? Well, by the very nature of this issue, I would prefer to discuss it with you in a more private location, such as, well, not in the middle of a roadhouse. 
though I do appreciate your consideration to the king's needs. Well, uh, uh, except that you did come into fair. the middle of a roadhouse and start announcing that you were in need of assistance, so I feel like you've kind of already alarmed everyone at this point. Um, so I don't know if you want to just clear things up with the room before we head out. Oh, not now, Otis, don't you worry just... about my small uh, friend here, Babbitt, that she doesn't understand some of the finer points of court life and how to answer the summons of a king. And, of course, <laughs> what she means is that we'd be more than happy to oblige. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, mistress. And I want to um, just sort of, like, snap over at the tavern keep and say, uh, now, madam, I'm sure that you have uh, perhaps a room available or some other private space where we could talk to our a friend and potential colleague here? Well, I'd be happy to oblige and give you all a room for uh, for as long as you need one, Mr. Jamal. Anything you need. Did I say your name right? Thank you. Thank you quite kindly, madam. Uh, you know, a lot of people get the pronunciation a little bit wrong, but that's okay, because, you know, I like that ribbon in your hair quite a bit. Blush. As you are kind of leaning in, uh, just doing your casual finding your elbow leaning suddenly against the bar, your head slowly growing closer to hers, you feel an immediate just prick right in your ass. Uh, Because (laughs) as she has walked by you, Babitha has just goosed you with a dart uh, while you try to just shamelessly flirt with this barmaid while you have just signed us up. He's like trying to keep it together, but you see him just go like, oh, yes, of course. That would be most delightful if you keep us in the... Thank you very much. And standing way too close to you is Bleb. Just the second you turn around, he's, he's right there. And he's three feet tall. I don't know how tall uh, Gaultier is, but uh, he's his hat is definitely uh, almost as tall as you are. So you kind of just have a face full of purple felt and then you lower your gaze uh, to see this three foot frog staring intensely at you. Uh, <laughs> and then he turns and follows Babitha into the other room. The uh, Wait, Sir Otis. Are we, we going to not talk about that? That's a three foot frog with a three foot hat. Nope. But is there to talk about? Okay. Hey, I look, don't... guys. I, there's some questions you just have to ask. And you're getting really caught up on the fact. You're getting really caught up on the fact that it's a the size of the hat and not the fact that it's a frog in a hat. Three foot nine with a ten foot hat. Sir, Sir Otis very, very curiously looks at you. Dejamo, but you're too old to be Manfred's son. Oh, that's a common mistake. Uh, Manfred is, of course, my older brother. He's the looser one. That's not a very nice thing to say, Liza. That's true. Haven't we been working on you saying things like that? Just blurting it out to any old stranger? (laughs) He he uh, steps up closer to you to kind of he's he kind of sizes you up um, and looks at Eliza. He's the loser, huh? Not really. He's actually 
he's quite strong. I I can't shit on him. He he could <laughs> um, just as I suspected. Ah, Dejamos, your brother Manfred is a swell fellow. Anybody related to him, I'd be honored to have with me. Would you come and aid me? And he he sticks out his hand at you. Uh, yeah, I'll give him like a cool knight predator handshake. Uh, yeah, baby. And then yeah, just be like, nah, anyone who uh, serves the king such as yourself is a friend of mine and a friend of ours. Please, please lead the way. Oh, not before introductions. You, young lady, he sticks his hands out to uh, Babitha. Babitha puts both of her hands out in front of her and bats her eyelashes, clasping his hand in hers and cocks her head up and just says, Oh, Babitha Burbage, darling. And she's clearly all aflutter at this strong knight that has come in here. Yeah. Okay, and wait, real quick. Then so is this guy hot, Nick? Is he like a is he like a hot boy? What are we talking here? I mean, I mean, look, he, he's definitely a big, he's, he's a hunk. He's a big, he's a built dude who's like a trained warrior. So, I mean, yeah, he's built. He's probably, he's got one of those like crooked noses, but it, but it works for him. You know what I mean? Oh, so Vin Diesel. But crookeder. Oh. <laughs> and less Vin Dieseler. Owen Wilson? Yes. <laughs> this guy is a big, beefy Owen Wilson. Oh, wow. It's like Owen Swolson. Oh wow! She's in the weight room, like, whoa! Can you guys come and help help the king? Uh, oh wow! Just great. You could do that for us. I mean, <laughs> just imagine, imagine all the things I could hook you up with. All these. Wow! <laughs> wow! 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 Sorry. Baba Ganoush. The pleasure is all mine, Miss Burbage. It'll be a pleasure to have you along. And you, uh, are you a lady right now? Um, yes. Uh, Liza is currently in pretty basic uh, short-cropped black hair with bangs that are longer than her the rest of her hair and uh, white makeup that makes her skin uh, their skin look just extremely pale and generally just kind of like leathers uh black leathers on looks extremely emo but like tasteful uh he he sticks out his hands to liza and you miss hello Uh, my name is liza uh last names don't matter in my culture but thank you for telling me yours i will gladly help you and the king the king is a wonderful man and and by extension if you know mr g's family I, I do think we will get along quite swimmingly. Well, that's simply fantastic. Unfortunately for your uh, room, miss, he, he addresses the barkeep, uh, that won't be necessary as uh, we should probably leave now. With haste, we, we can arrive perhaps by midnight. Fortunately, the full moon lights our way. I... Oh, Otis, Otis, darling. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me, Otis, darling, darling. <laughs> yes, Hi. yes, ma'am. Hi, hi, chicken. Um, I'm so sorry. Uh, but you didn't, you didn't introduce yourself um to to Black here, and um, I just I I don't I don't know if you 
missed him. I mean, he is a, a, th a three-foot-tall frog with uh, a three-foot-tall hat, uh, but, um... Ma'am, I, uh... Well, I apologize if uh, I've insulted you or the creature. I meant no such thing. He, 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 uh, he's... It he's is a, a creature um, perfectly just... fine to insult. He is a slimy, devilish little bastard. And all he ever does is cause havoc and trouble. But he will kill you, so please be respectful about it. He is also <laughs> quite dangerous. She is correct. Should I refrain from shaking the hand, or does it a bow or a curtsy, perhaps, would suffice? Do you have glove? He raises his gauntleted fist. Shaking is perfectly acceptable, correct? Maybe a pet. No, shake. Shake with pinky. Like, cautiously sticks out his gauntleted hand. Blep doesn't have any expression and does a real E.T. moment and slowly reaches out one long, slimy finger with a little, little heart-shaped sucker toe and just <laughs> curls it around the pinky of the gauntlet, holding the gaze of Sir Otis, and then slowly retracts it. And then blinks once. It is a pleasure, uh, Blep. Any friend of Miss Burbage is a friend of mine, and so I would have us on good terms. Is that agreeable to you? Blep stares and blinks, and Babitha goes, <laughs> We're fine now. Let's go! Does it, does, Miss Burbage, does it speak? He, of course he speaks. He speaks groan. He's a groan. I understand. He clearly does not understand. <laughs> He's even uh, known to tell the, the funny joke or dirty limerick from time to time. He'd be quite surprised. Well, especially you get a couple of drinks in him. Oh, the saucy tales he tells. Uh, Sir Otis turns to leave. He can't, he gestures you guys to follow him. And as soon as you uh, get to the door, he, he stops suddenly and turns around. Barkeep, you have a horse. I should be permitted to take it with me, right? She, like, looks at him. Yes, of course you can take. Of course you can take the horse if you'd like. His name's Lamry. Uh, door slams. You guys are outside with the... Uh... Before we go outside, uh, right as they're, like, leaving, Galtier will backtrack slightly and just plop down a gold coin on the bar as, as we're leaving. And I want to, um, if she will allow me, take the um, tavern keep, like, by the front of her chin, just, like, full-on, like, uh, eater in the round, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, like, just straight for the face touch and say, like, ah, here you go, fine, madam. Uh, of course, you always remember that Gautier Desjardins, someone who will take care of you. And then he just, like, full heel turn out the door. Roll a perception check as you're leaving. Uh, that's a nat 20, baby. I love it. Okay. God damn. Um, we'll get to that. Real hot. <laughs> oh no. Um, so so you make your way outside. Um, where you see Sir Otis has made his way over to the stable. Otis and your friends have made their way to the stable where he's uh, getting the horse uh, tethered up and ready to to go. But he's he hasn't put a saddle on it, and it doesn't look like he intends to. Um, and he, he 
gets Lamry ready to go and starts walking. I suppose since we're out of the general public, I can tell you what happened if you'd like to know where we're going, what we're doing. Do you suppose that those of us who are only reach your hip in height could perhaps ride upon the horse? Uh, I just... I mean... Oh, I'm, uh, apologies. I hadn't even, hadn't even thought about... Um, I, you know, just polite. I apologize for, for being rude. I hadn't, I simply hadn't considered it. Of course we can, we strap up the... the... I mean, I, I, I'm happy. I mean, Blep can actually leap quite far. I, I shouldn't speak for Blep, but you know, my, my knees just aren't what they used to be. I'd, I mean, I wouldn't mind just hopping up on the back there with you. If there's a little... Oh, he's walking. Little room he's for little old me. He's walking, for sure. Okay, well... Liza is going to lean down to Blep and just be like, <laughs> okay, is everyone really horny right now? Or is it just me? I don't like. Blep definitely agrees something. with you. There's some like it... thirsty, thirsty vibes in this group and he doesn't get it. Like, I don't know about you. When I kill something, I don't want to go fuck something. Like, that's not what I... That's not my my vibe. Is that the vibe? Is, he stares I, intensely I at you, and was... you definitely feel like the answer is yes. You overhear uh, Galtier talking to Babitha just a few steps in front of you guys. You're like, and now, of course, immediately after a battle is the best time to lay with a woman. Because after you've been through <laughs> so many thrills, and you felt your life in your very hands, you can hold the life of another tenderly. It is, of course, one of life's greatest gifts. Oh, I'm sorry, dear. Were you talking? Ugh. I was just thinking about. I was just thinking about this. <laughs> this is potion that I. Well, I mean, I drank it before we left, and I think it's just starting to kick in. And I just. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was I say? I've already forgotten what I. Were you saying something? Was he? <laughs> and she just kind of fades off as the horse trots away from you. She's clearly hiding. I think Galtier tries to like as best as possible, stay right next to the horse because he's seen uh, Babitha drink some of her alchemical preparations without knowing exactly what they do before. And so it's just that thing yeah, of, like, make sure the gnome doesn't fall off the horse. To, like, like, wrap her legs around the horse to, like, keep her on at all. So yeah. she's just, like, she's just it's going. Really a precarious choice. Holds her up there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Liza, uh, Liza is going to be following, but... Um, Nick, are we are we in the middle of like a town or a township or something where there are people around, or is there kind of a? Are we kind of pretty much just a group of five? Uh, you guys are just like a group of five. These roadhouses are kind of set up in between cities, um, cities and settlements as a means of keeping people safe overnight during travel. So you guys currently would be about two days travel out of Madrigal, uh, and this was just kind of your 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 layover, right? So leaving. Leaving the roadhouse, it's you're following this nice cobblestone road along kind of plains and or not plains. Um, it's like smooth hills with groves of trees kind of scattered about. Um, there's a lot of like rocky, rocky outcroppings and everything. But for the most part, you have if it wasn't nighttime, I you would have a pretty good vision like for a long ways. But there's not there's really not a lot of stuff, you know, there's. A pond or two that you could see if you when you crest one of the small hills um but yeah for the most part there's no settlement or anything um for for another solid day's trip okay. 
Liza is going to kind of hold back for um, uh, like kind of slowly just walk slower than everyone else and get behind the group and not entirely change their um, appearance entirely, but um, they are going to wipe off makeup, um, elongate their hair a little bit and change their appearance just enough that it, it could be like a just kind of like makeover of moving things around, uh, like moving your hair around and, and other things to the point where Otis, when they see them next, will think in the back of their mind, did they <laughs> did they look like that when I, when I first met them? But uh, is also just different enough to where it's just like, it's a different mode for Liza. So Otis and, and Galtier, you guys are kind of leading the way. And as you're, as you're initially leaving kind of the um, property of the roadhouse, right, kind of stepping onto the to the main road, he boisterously and loudly speaks so that everybody uh, can hear what he's saying. He, he wants to be intentional that everybody can hear him. Galtier, uh, am I safe to assume that you've seen combat? And you and your friends, I suppose. I'm not sure about them as much as you, though. Why, yes. No offense. I served the king and the bandit wars down in the Merklands and uh, been on quite a few other adventures. And uh, my fine compatriots here have most recently accompanied me on other missions on business of the crown. They are uh, a capable, if quirky, bunch. That is rather good to hear, I have to say. Mr. Jamo, am I saying that right? You're, you're getting a little bit closer each time, but that's okay. Sometimes things in the family, you got to put a little something extra on them. <laughs> I have to admit to you that your first name is far easier to say, Galtier. Would that be acceptable? Unlike you, my dear sir, I have not been knighted officially by the king. Galtier suits me quite well. And it's a fine name. Far better between you and I than Manfred ever was. <laughs> so listen here. I have sailed my way across Blackridge. It was a disgusting, disgusting week of my life, let me tell you. I have fought many a fiend under the bronze dome of the north, but never in my life have I seen goblins like I've seen today. Filthy, vile little creatures. They were disgusting. <laughs> dozens of them. I, I, Dozens of them. I swear it on my father's name. Dozens of them. And we were ambushed. Now, now surely you don't mean a dozen of dozens. There's not a gross swayze of goblins out here in the wilderness. I was under the assumption that only foreign dignitaries used that particular measurement. Of course it was a, a gross swayze of goblins. Uh, you pick up a couple of things down in the Legion. That is uh, truly frightening, sir. To have them this the city itself. Roll a um, insight. <laughs> okay. You guys can do it. Yeah, all of you. All of us? That is a 10 for Gautier. That is... Yes, number four. That is a 14 for Babatha. Okay. He, he goes on talking about how vile these things are. I swear, every time we turned around, there was three more jumping from a grove of trees or a hillock there behind that rock where we slayed them. And we, we took out many, quite a number of them, before, well, the horses were killed and my dear comrade fell. It was only me, and I can't move the wagon on my own, so I needed help. And I knew that the only place I could find help was the roadhouse. Fortunately for me, I found you. Babatha, you realized pretty early on that th it was maybe a couple of goblins and they just totally got ambushed and weren't able to fight them off. 
he keeps talking about how many there were in such a way that you're the more he says it the less you believe him meanwhile liza <laughs> liza and galtier you're like yeah man this guy was ambushed by a tribe he just he tells it so believably i i know i know bullshit and and when it comes to bullshitting this man not bullshitting he he fully I think there may have of not course. been dozens, but there must maybe have been a, a whole score of goblins. If the fine knights of the kingdom couldn't handle them, then look at him as a strap man. I insist upon there was a dozen, dozen goblins, a, a gross swayze of goblins. No, no, no. Babitha has slowly trotted back with the horse, um, and her pupils are a little less dilated, so she's. She's clearly no longer as altered by uh, whatever her latest experimentation has been. And she says, At most, it was probably a half dozen of them and your friends just crying in a shrubbery over there. And she just gestures off to where she hears some strange whimpering sound in the woods. Now, miss, if you want to accuse me of lying, that is one thing, and... Well, I admit, on my honor, I've been caught. It wasn't more than... What? what now? Surely not. Such shame. I've been, I've been caught twisting my own words and fancying my own tales. I swear I've not done it before and I won't do it again. Well, you're quite good at it. But Miss Burbage... I think you're lying about that too. I just want to know the truth now, dear. Miss Burbage, my dear friend, my dear Sir Tembo... He has perished. This was no lie. Now, when you say perished, do you mean like he's got zero hit points and he's unconscious? Or do you mean like he's been completely demolished? He lies slain by the goblin bandits themselves. Right. Well, he might just be nearly dead. If he's nearly dead, we might be able to, to help. Anyway, so what, what else is going on, dear? Well, I mean, that's mostly my night. <laughs> How was yours? Your, your buddy, your buddy got hurt, and you, you just need help with a. Okay, I mean that's fine. It's. Well, I'm glad I didn't waste the good stuff on this. She trusts. I cannot I move the wagon on my own, and I'd much rather not face the, face the goblins myself yet again either. For the shame, as you pointed out, for the shame, I can't do it. Galtier <laughs> wants to like clap Otis on one shoulder and just be like, as I know you are extremely aware, honesty is one of the five points of the poinsettia, uh, tenant of the oath itself. And while you were not particularly forthcoming to begin our uh, original introduction, you have upkept your oath and you should be proud of that, young man. I thank you for that, though I will bear this mark of shame as long as I can remember. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. <laughs> Deja. Thank you so much. <laughs> you just feel really bad about yourself. So the march to the to his wagon uh, is about two hours. It's about two hours towards Madrigal. They were coming from Madrigal towards Sirfindal and got ambushed by goblins. Horse killed, Tembo killed, so he needed help is uh, what's going on essentially. Um so you guys will have to march about two hours. This would probably bring you around midnight at this point before you reach the wagon. Wow. 
Is that your wagon over there, or is that a different wagon? There's a lot of abandoned wagons on this road. Have you noticed? People just seem to leave them. It's like they just, they just park them and walk away. Who does that? Who does that? Unfortunately, no, Miss Burbage. You would know my wagon. It's, it bears the mark of the king and the kingdom as it comes from the king himself. You left the king's cart? Well, no wonder you were in a hurry. We should really pick up the speed. Hop, hop. I've been trying to... He turns turns back to Liza. Who... Where did you come from? What are you talking about? This has been the same person that you've been talking to this entire time. Must have been darker than I thought in that tavern, or darker than I thought outside. It really was quite dark last night. I thought it was kind of crazy. I mean, for for certain, I thought Blip was gone. Like, seven times, I just, I was looking at everybody, and then he was gone. And then I looked back, and he was there. It, it was quite a fun night, actually. You guys make your way for a few hours towards um, Sir Otis's wagon, and in the darkness, you hear, as he's, he kind of gestures you guys uh, indicating that it's that you guys are getting near it um, and you're kind of making your way up a small hillock and he kind of gestures as you guys can all hear like kind of shouting and <laughs> what's uh what, what are what are goblins like here are they like you know sentient sapient things do they have homes and communities and shit are they monsters like how do we generally feel about goblins think like intelligent rabid coyotes got it uh they're 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 dirty so they're like the hyenas yeah they're they're dirty they're kind of dirty creatures that you know they carry diseases and they're kind of icky uh so they're so they're from florida they're florida florida man don't look they're Florida man. Did you see that stat block? It's really impressive. Look, don't, don't discriminate against all of our Florida listeners. We have quite a few. Well, you're never going to hear about it because they're all related. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, guys, there are 49 other states. Are we really that upset if we lose Florida? Um, yes, personally, because Disney World is there. and um, Oh, I, I right, a- right. But we got Cali. We have a lot we of listeners in Cali, Cali, so don't sleep on Cali. Disney World's so much better than Disneyland, guys. I just Six Flags, baby! Vallejo, California, what's up? Yeah. Have you ever even been there? Not even a thing? Did you make that I don't up? Know. Is that a commercial that you saw as a child that you just really, really connected I, with? Uh, Liza is going to try to kind of track through the, like, off-road to try and find, um, uh, or just kind of scout up ahead what these, um, uh goblins are doing just because um they can hear the the conversation and everything and and clearly they are somewhat capable so um they want to get the jump on them if they can if possible yep um go ahead and roll um roll a perception as you're trying to uh, make your way around so it's kind of at the top of a like i said it's at the top of a small hill and there's outcropping kind of 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 stone uh, with with some a couple of groves of trees at the top, trees towards the bottom, and kind of some some loose uh, loose rubble and rocks off of the main road. Um, okay, what did you roll? I see you flexing over there. That one, baby. Oh yeah, nice. Um, 
it's just it's a little bit too dark to really get a, a good look of what's going on you've got the moonlight helping you out a fair bit but it's 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 just the angle that you're approaching it's kind of in the shadow of the small grove of trees um, so you can't get a good view of what's going on what you do see is kind of silhouettes uh, every now and then you'll see one kind of like skitter across the ground and it kind of go one will go under the wagon and then it'll kind of come out and you can all hear the chittering of them like giggling and you can hear like the a rat some rattle and banging i'm gonna go back to the rest of the group and just be like they're somewhere over there you mean ahead of us love you mean they're just somewhere in the direction I've, I've got them pegged. They are generally somewhere within 180 degrees of our field of vision in front of us. Okay. Oh, I, uh, you know what? That does narrow it down a bit, doesn't it? I mean, that gives us about 50%. I mean, that actually that, I mean, it helps us quite a bit, I suppose. It um, certainly won't be the most wrong you've been. You are welcome, my friend. Sir Otis doesn't care. He interrupts. <laughs> <laughs> you, he, he simply states, but I've been gone for over four hours at this point, and they're still trying to break in. Well, this means the locks have held. I mean, they they are goblins. They're not known for being particularly bright. Um, I think we've got that going for us. Um, Bleb, could you hand me my dots back, please? Uh, if you notice that Blep is just like awkwardly, he's got a handful of darts that he's just like rubbing across his chest in a really just awkward haphazard way and hands them back to Babitha uh, who takes them with a, a gloved hand. Whatever you just said, Sir Otis interrupts you again. For magical, Sir Otis says, and he draws his sword. For myself, Liza pulls out their bow. It's not just going to be the two of us, is it? Maybe. I mean, this could be fun. I've already gotten... I kind of started the whole thing uh, when I took my darts from Blet. Like, we've already started. We're doing the... Apologies, Miss. Oh, just darling. It's quite Are dark. you paying attention? It is quite dark. You know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I'm so... Sorry about that. Here, gods here, like 25 feet in front of you, like, are y'all coming down here? That's goblins. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Excuse me. So sorry. Otis, Otis gets up and, and he kind of crouches kind of behind a, a, a large rock with Gaultier and, and Liza. I'll strike first. I simply need help. Protect me from the rear and ensure that, ensure that nothing comes from behind. Absolutely. For Madrigal. For Madrigal. Please, if if you haven't noticed, please don't talk about coming from behind in front of Babitha right now. Just please stop. Just please. She does have a rather particular set of trigger words that will set off a, a series of alchemical experiments that, is, well, it, truly would shake you to your core. It is. It is honestly horrifying. Like, oh my god. Sir Otis is in. Yep. Sword up. Roll them bones. Woo! Oh, hell yes. Oh, hell yes. That is a natural 
17 for a 19, please. <laughs> That's a real fake out. Uh, uh, Gautier is going to go 15 for initiative. That is a natural 11. <laughs> just, just so pumped for an 11. What did Babitha get? Babitha rolled a natural 19 for a 20 uh, for her initiative. And uh, Blip moves on her turn. The order looks something like this. Babitha, Sir Otis, Liza, Ningbegaltier. And last but not least at the bottom of the order, not unironically, the goblins. Babitha, you are up first. What do you do? I guess, first of all, start with a perception, perception check, please. All of us? Do you, do you have um, do you have dark vision, Babitha? I do. Okay. Um, yeah, roll a perception check. That is an eleven plus one for a twelve. Um, you can most definitely see a half dozen goblins running around towards the bottom of the wagon. One of the wheels has been. Uh, sheared off and is kind of laying on the in the middle of the the home road the wagon is in pretty decent shape uh, it looks like they've been trying to break into it for four solid hours and you you can see the these goblins kind of running around and just as you're about to to make your first attack you catch a glimpse on the the outcropping behind the wagon it's about as tall as the wagon maybe three or four feet taller than the wagon um, you see the movement of another goblin up top um what do you do? Babitha sees this grouping of vile little creatures and she throws out her first dart at the highest of the goblins hoping to strike him and send him a tumbling. That is a 17 plus 3 to hit. Uh, that'll, that'll do it for sure. All right, great. That's wonderful to hear. That will be two plus one piercing damage. Uh, however, he was also going to take two for six points of poison damage. And um, <clears throat> tell me, is there anything edible around here? Like, uh... I don't know any berries or food or any scraps. I don't think you're going to find any edibles around in the immediate vicinity. A little snack. Interesting, because uh, as this goblin feels this dart uh, puncture his skin, uh, he starts to feel really nauseous, uh, but he has this sensation that if he could just eat something, that he would be okay, and he is overcome with the urge to find something to eat. Remind me how much damage you did to him? I did three points of piercing damage, I believe, and then I did six points of poisoning damage, although he, excuse me, can make a constitution saving throw. Um, that is going to be a fail, so my total damage is nine. Nine, yes. He, as he gets hit with this dart, he kind of keels over and screams. Something, something bit me. And he, he keels over and starts shouting, and he rolls over onto his stomach and just pukes. 
and pukes and pukes and because you have dark vision you see his puke turn a scarlet color of red as he literally pukes his guts out and dies <laughs> blep seeing this first goblin fall uh, in such a dramatic form leaps forward literally leaps just from a from standing still he throws himself forward 25 feet uh, and attempts to knock down and grapple one of the goblins I need to make a grapple so would you like me to make I would make an athletics check I believe and you would make a strength save am I correct yeah, Michael, you roll athletics. Uh, the goblin gets its choice of athletics or acrobatics to contest. Say seven. That's uh, seven. You rolled a five. Um, you got him grappled. Otis Thaverton is up and he runs into this. Uh, at this point, they're kind of amassing on your side of the wagon. So they're between you and the wagon. And he runs up and he just starts hacking and slashing at this, at these uh, group of goblins. And he's like, didn't I tell you, at least a, a gross Swayze of them. There's so many of them. There's, we can't, uh, we can do this. We can do this. Kill them all. Um, he'll hit this guy. And deal a bit of not much damage, unfortunately. He's being careful, obviously, not to hit his new buddy, Black. Uh, that is his turn. Liza, you are up. Liza is going to cast Thunder Wave. And is is there... How many goblins are there? There are four now? You can't tell because it's dark and you don't have dark vision. And you rolled a natural one. Um, okay. You can see, you can see a um, number of figures um, kind of in the shadow between you and the wagon. Okay. Uh, then what I am going to do is I'm going to get as close to Otis as possible. And actually, I'm going to back up Gaultier and give Bardic Inspiration by saying, Gaultier is so fine. You know he's like wine. If you wish to have him on your side, I do not know the rest. Oh. <laughs> How I do love your limericks. And then uh, <laughs> I was just going to uh, act like that was quite impressive, no? And uh, and basically just blindly shoot off an arrow. Okay. Um, From the darkness, you hear another winner, I will let you um, roll with disadvantage, shooting into into the darkness. Wonderful. Okay. Um, a 21 and a nat one baby hey, yeah baby i love it uh oh, no. you let loose and at first you're like dude i got him and then you realize that it just thwanged into the to the side of the wagon and it totally missed i'm not gonna do uh, uh fumbles or crit cards until we're at a higher levels because they can literally kill you that's fine. Uh, Gaultier, that uh, Bardic Inspiration is a 1d6. Ooh, thank you. Yeah. Speaking of Gaultier, 
I mean, Gaultier. That sounds like it hurts you every single time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you should have picked a better name. I don't know. Okay, so it is definitely uh, dark enough that like we can't actually really see them. Um, you can roll a perception check because you haven't gotten to do one yet. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of it in terms of you know your angle, where you're standing at, where Liza was. They were kind of in the shadow of this small hill, and the trees were were blocking out the moonlight, so it was really tough to see. But depending on which angle you're at, maybe you can get a better view. Uh, that is a total of ten. Yeah, you're going to be in a similar situation. You just can't quite make out where the shapes are. There's a lot of shadows being cast because of the moonlight, and that's in the darkness, making it very difficult to pinpoint anybody. So you can, um, if you're going to go ranged, you can shoot ranged at disadvantage, but if you're going to go for melee, um, you know the area that they're in, and you could make it to them. Um, sorry, that was very okay. inclusive. If you're going to go melee, you can get in there and fight without disadvantage because you know where they are. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, I'll just do that. I will run up. Uh, you see Gaultier is like, he's got a shield and he pulls out his like sort of long arming sword. Um, he is very much a sort of like uh, a fencer duelist type kind of stance. Clearly has only fought at court for the most part. Now we're running in and say like, fall madrigal um, and attack the first goblin that I come across. <laughs> Ideally, I'd like to position myself. Um, Blep and Otis are in the mix, right? Are they near each other? Here's what I want to do. Can I get in five feet of both of them? Is that possible? And still poke a gun. Uh, I don't think you can do all three of those. I, I think that basically okay. what, you're, what you're working with is like a line of goblins, essentially. Okay, I'll get next to Otis and attack a goblin. Okay. Uh, oh, that's a good roll. That is a 21 to hit. Uh, Yeah. All right. And that will do um, six piercing damage. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to use my piercer thing to re-roll that damage and see if I do better. I got exactly the same roll. That's six points of piercing. Do you want to explain what your piercer thing is? Uh, yeah, it is the feat that I took um, using the human variant where you get uh -huh. less skill pluses, but you get starting feet. And it's from Tasha's. And so it lets me, if I'm using a piercing weapon, once per turn I can re-roll... Um, damage dies that I don't like. And then also it gives me an extra bonus die on crits. So pretty sweet. Wow, that is oh, very so cool. So it's like a better savage attacker. It's it's similar, but it's weapon specific. So I have to use a piercing weapon. Oh, okay. And so they, there's there's like a piercer, a slasher, and a crusher, I think, or basher or something like that. And so they have some, there's some cool shit in there. That, Check that's it really out. cool. So, so what is your total damage then? Was it six? Uh, yeah, six points of damage. Uh, you you whack or poke this guy real hard, um, and he kind of shirks away and comes back at you with his nasty, unbrushed goblin teeth uh, showing. Actually, it is their turn right now, so let's go ahead and have him hit you first. Does a uh, does a nine hit you? Sadly, no. All right, well we're just gonna move right on down the line then. Let's go back to. Uh, the goblin that is currently being attacked by Liza. Oh, wait. Liza's not in combat. Ooh, Galtier, you're going to take another one. You're going to take a couple, I think. Um, does a 14 hit you? No, sir. Drat. The goblin that is currently grappled with Blep is going to attempt to break out of that uh, Blep grapple, Mikey. 
Ooh, I think I got you this time. Um, that's going to be a 16 to break the grapple. And I will do a strength to maintain, is that yes. correct? Yes, athletics, I believe. Athletics. That is a natural 15. <laughs> Plus one. Damn it. Wait, meets beats. I got you. I'm out. Um, just barely. Otis is going to take one from a goblin. That's going to hit him. He's going to take... That one hurt him a little bit. We got a natural eight coming from the second goblin attacking Otis. For that hit, uh, the hit Otis, can I use my reaction to use my interception fighting style? I get to roll a d10 plus proficiency and reduce the damage he takes by that, but it uses up my reaction and I have to be within five feet and holding a weapon or shield. That's super dope. I'm assuming that's also from Tasha's. Oh uh, yeah, it's one of the new fighting styles. That's that's really cool. Yeah, go ahead. All right, so that is going to be uh, seven. So I'll take that off of my damage? Yeah, so the damage he takes is reduced by seven. Okay, so he takes zero damage from that. Um, Hell yeah. That's, that's a pretty cool move. We got another one. So that was two on Otis. They both hit. You took two. We've got Blep is going to take uh, he's gonna take a shot from one of these gobos. Um, hey, Blep, does a six hit you? Um, no. No, it does not hit me. I'm pretty sure that doesn't hit anything except for possibly paper. Well, you don't know that. Um, okay, so a couple of things are going to happen right now. All of the goblins that you guys have spotted have, have made their attacks. And you hear chitter-chatter that kind of comes from behind and beside as a handful more goblins make their way down from the hill in the trees. While you're distracted fighting the goblins in front of you, you don't take a particular interest in the goblins coming from behind, except for Gaultier. What you see, and you see it clear as day, is you, you take a slash at one of these goblins and you, you deal a, a boatload of damage, almost killing him. And as he staggers back, you look behind you as you hear the chitter-chatter and screaming of more goblins. And as they're enclosing on you, you see coming from the shadows out of absolutely nowhere, you see this shape that's kind of wrapped in in like red leather and it darts across the road and it, it jumps as it's as it's running across the road it jumps on one of these goblins and you see it's got two daggers in its hand and it just stabs it like six times and finishes running across the road just just as as quick as you thought you saw it and it was gone and then it happens again going the same direction another one and it's gone again two goblins have have died just like that and then another one comes but it's bigger this it's it's a human that's just wrapped in uh you you can see in the the angle that you're at you can see very obviously it's just wrapped in this red leather armor it almost looks like i want to say it looks almost like a mummy but like a cool mummy armor and this this other one i don't i don't know a better way to describe it ninja no, no we all like a ninja a cool leather mummy yeah leather yeah cool leather a visual frame not to be cool leather cool leather mummy armor not to be confused with cool daddy leather so armor. so the leather is is wrapped around yep. to encourage encourage and allow any sort of freedom of movement is is what you're what you're getting and the third one that you see uh, run across the road kind of stumbles 
and it just kind of smashes into one of these goblins and it knocks it over and stomps on its skull and and crushes the goblin and then it just kind of finishes and you can you can see this one off as it goes off to the side of the road to to try to hide in the shadows like the other two did it kind of stops right where you can see it and you see it kneel over and put its hands on its knees <sighs> and then it moves a little bit more well i suppose every group must have its blip <laughs> So I feel bad that I had you. This was the role that you, Galtier, rolled while you were still in the tavern. You recognize these, the, this trio of people wrapped in their red leather armor as the trio that was in the roadhouse with you. This is the um, the table of people that the like the half orc with no tusks who had paid. No, and on the far side of the room there was a group of of people in this red armor that were playing um, some board game. They all kind of oh, asked you. He raised one of them. Raised their their glass to you as you uh, as you said your hellos when you entered. Got it. So so you see them dart across and they take out three of these goblins. Just just as quick as you as quick as you saw them, they're gone again, back into the shadows, which strikes you as very weird because there's not a lot of I mean there's shadows, but there's not a lot of stuff to hide behind small rocks and trees and stuff. But you just lose them in the night. Um, knowing that my companions don't seem to have seen this, Galtier will sort of call out to everyone and just say, like, compatriots of ours have arrived. The battle is nearly won. Press forward into these dastardly goblins. <laughs> we begin round two with Babitha and Blep. Blepitha. Babitha grabs a round semi-hollow, uh, seemingly kind of like a clay ravel is what it resembles. And she holds it in front of her, focuses on it, and she rolls it like a bowling ball as it starts to light up and it emanates uh, five feet of light, bright light from it, ten f and an additional five feet of dim light. Uh, what I've just done is I've used my magical tinkering uh, from my artificer class to a, invest a spark of magic in an object that would otherwise be mundane. And so now my compatriots can see better, uh, including Blep, who stretches out his arms and webbed fingers and lets out a... Uh, a beastly croak as crackling energy shoots from his webbed fingers and he uh, shoots uh, the nearest goblin, the one that he uh, had just grappled, uh, with an Eldritch Blast. And that is a 19 plus 3 to hit uh, 22. Yeah, that'll land. Yeah? Okay, I mean, are you sure? Do you want to double check here? Against the little baby Stop level one Gabo? Yeah, that'll hit. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool, 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 cool. So, uh, don't worry. It's just going to be uh, six points of force damage. Against the same one that it was grappled? Yes. Okay, yeah, he looks very messed up, but still, uh, still... Did you deal... You didn't deal damage to him last time, did you? You just tried the grapple? No, he passed his constant. Okay, he is, he's looking very rough, but he is still up and in the fight. Um, Sir Otis is up. He barely whacked that one that he was fighting, so he's going to keep fighting the one. He sees Blep looking for a little bit of help, so he's trying to finish off his guy. 
uh, and and swing over for the help. Dang, and he manages to roll a seven to hit and misses. That's rough. Liza, can you help the situation a little bit now that you can see the, uh, what do we have left? So there's five remaining goblins from the original party, and there's an additional three that came from around the corner off the hillock to try to flank you guys. Okay, uh, so Thunderwave, I, I want to cast Thunderwave. Is there a group of goblins that I would be able to center this on? So it sweeps out directly from me in a 15-foot cube or originating from me. So if I were to charge up into the group goblins and use my movement to get in the middle of all of them and cast Thunderwave and in a way that would not hit Otis or Galtier, is that possible? Yeah, I think your best bet is going to be trying to utilize the cube a line instead of a cube, right? So, okay. you, so you're going to want to like, so there's the three that are trying to flank your friends. I think that would be your, the safest bet to not also hit your friends. So if you were to like run up next to them and turn, you know, 90 degrees to the right and you blast it as a line, you would be able to hit all three of those guys uh, with it. Otherwise, it's going to cool. be nearly impossible to not hit one of your friends. Cool. So I'm going to cast Thunderwave a first level spell. So um, I just cast it, and then you have to do a DC 13 con save, correct? That sounds right. Yep. We got a 19. We got an 18. And we got a 9. So you got one of them. So since one of them failed, I do 2d8. So you would roll 2d8. The two on the back are going to take half as much. Ooh, damn. 7 and 4. So 11 total force damage for that one uh, that got hit. And the one that did get hit is pushed 10 feet from me. Okay, I like it. So the, the one that you pushed away, uh, you mm-hmm. his face, like the concussion blast from this thunder wave, effectively crushes his face in and it blasts him backwards, and he, he kind of like bowling balls off of his friends. It knocks them prone, and he is uh, very clearly dead. Liza looks at their bow and just kind of disgusted. Is just like, ugh, these weapons—they never get the job done. I, I need to—I need to do what I can do. So they're just gonna pull out their uh, drum and just like run up and just hit their drum once and as they're like as they see those goblins kind of like running in and trying to flank they just kind of cut them off and hit their drum once and it kind of sends a concussive wave that's that's um, cool tw- i like that Senor Gaultier de Jamal. this is the last time we're going to see goblins such as yourselves this close to madrigal uh, and i will uh stab another gobbo give a little stab stab not me not goblin number four. Oh. Ooh, that is not great. That's a seven to hit. That's unfortunately a miss. Am I now, uh, because Liza ran up, am I in between Liza and Otis? Yeah, I kind of see her as sort of behind you, though. Like, you, they would be flanking you. Okay. Uh, I just want to be within five feet of Liza since she's a little squishy. Yeah, sure. Um, just where those other goblins were kind of coming up coming up to get you, Blep and Otis, was she had to be pretty close to you to get them in a line in the first place. So, yeah. Cool. I will stay there then. All right. You're going to get uh, you're gonna get two whacks from Gobbos. So is Otis. No. We got Blep, Otis. So Blep will take one. Otis will take one. And Galt will take one. 
Blep, does a uh, 11 hit you? No, it does not. Oh, wow. Hey, Otis, does a 14 hit you? No, it does not. Hey, Galtier, does a 17 hit you? No, it does not. Does it really not? 18, baby. Oh, wow. I thought I had you. Dang. Um, okay. The other two goblins are kind of laying prone. You guys can all roll, roll perception check at this point. Redemption. Fucking nat one again? It's dark out, man. What can you say? Uh, that's a 14 for Gaultier. That's an 8 for Babitha. Gaultier, you only catch the glimpse because you are aware that it's happening. The other two, you don't see these leather-armored fighters in that are participating in this fray. You guys at this point have no idea that they're even there. Uh, oh, I should roll for Otis. Um, Otis catches a glimpse of him this time. He rolled 17. Cutting down a goblin, he catches a glimpse in, uh, off to the side, and this time they're running a ro- across the road in the opposite direction. It's, it's the exact same thing as it was before. They sprint across the road. The first one stops at one of the prone goblins that Liza stab and just, like, drives a dagger right into its eye. Blood kind of squirts out, and it just continues on running around to the back of the wagon again, out of sight. The second one similarly does the same thing to the to the other prone goblin. And it's, again, hidden behind the back of the wagon. Um, the third one is the, the bigger, more shambling form, and it kind of runs out, and it, it makes its way out, and it comes into contact. It's It kind of, like, comes up to you, and it grabs this goblin right in front of you. And this is... For, even for a big fellow, this is a very, very quick, inst- like, s- very quick motion. And it, it runs out and it kind of hip checks this goblin and throws it down onto the ground head first and cracks its skull. And then it runs in the opposite direction of the other two because it can't make it all the way across the road. <laughs> so these, these three shapes, two one way and one the other way, and uh, they're so quick that the two, Liza and, and Babitha, you don't even notice, but Gaultier and, and Otis have caught glimpses at this point. Babitha, you're up. You are... <laughs> oh, all I did was create a light for my companions. All I did. I did a helpful thing. It was huge. It was so huge. I did a, I did a, bit, I did a thing. Uh, it was not small. She, uh, so Babitha is still, she's getting that kind of second wave from whatever elixir she downed beforehand, and she's still got that kind of crazed look on her face, and she's still, uh, awkwardly just continually shouting and throwing uh, her poison darts at the nearest to her goblin Uh, does a does a 12 hit? a 12 does not hit against these goblins these goblins are putting up much more of a fight than I expected them to Blep, seeing that Babitha is a little bit out of her wits and uh, clearly not performing at the level that she normally does, uh, turns his Eldritch Blast upon the goblin that Babitha has just thrown a dart at. (laughs) Does a 13 hit? 13 does not hit against these guys. Energy crackles from his fingers, but it doesn't quite reach uh, so the goblin's sorry. skin. I, like I said, these guys are putting up much more of a fight than I anticipated they would. Um, Otis is up, and he is going to finish off, hopefully, the one that he's fighting, if we can get a good roll here. Oh, yeah, we got him. We got an 18. He almost finished this guy off last time. What's he got this time? Four points of damage. 
he cuts the creature down. Crimson Oath Knight of Madrigal. <laughs> Four goblins. I told you there was so many of them. Liza, what do you got? Round three, baby. So there are four left now? What we are looking at is one, two, three left. You got one, the one that Blep is fighting. You got the one that Galtier is fighting. And, oh, there's only two left. Okay. Is it possible for Liza to cast Thunderwave again and only catch two of their um, enemies and not their compatriots? Yeah, I'll let you kind of weasel your way in now. The, this, this road is kind of littered with the corpses of goblins, so you're going to have to kind of like cautiously and carefully step over some of these some of these bodies um but since there's only two of them and the the fight was kind of in a line in front of this wagon you can like scoot up to the side of the line now and take a shot that would blast again it'd be kind of like the concept of a straight line instead of a cube but if you're close enough you can get both of them yes without hurting your friends that's the important part okay uh then uh liza is going to take uh is going to cast thunderwave uh, this time, um, they are going to yell in the background and kind of, uh, kind of yell to distract the goblins that are fighting so they can kind of like step towards them and kind of, uh, separate themselves a little bit to allow for this, uh, kind of, um, weaselly shot of, uh, sonic energy as they hit their uh, drum again with their hand. Um, okay, so I'm rolling con saves. Yep, 13. Uh, we got a seven, and we got a five, two fails. Oh yeah. Um, I'll okay. let you, if you would like to uh, sprinkle a little salt and pepper on there, you can describe it up. They are certainly dead. Okay, let me just, I'm gonna roll this just for okay. fun. A two. And a seven. Okay, and nine. So, they each have one uh, hit point left. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Liza is going to uh, yell and say to them, You stupid, stupid goblins. Why would you waste your time trying to get into a iron wagon? You you are trying to, to bust into human tech? What is wrong with you? All you need to do is just listen to me. And just hits their drum and just blast them like i don't know 20 30 feet away from everyone else and they're just like completely shattered with this shockwave that they cast off of their drum as you smash your hand down onto your drum this shockwave blasts out and you guys all hear it uh, louder than any of the clanging and any of the screaming and this concussion blast kind of blasts by everybody. And instead of getting quieter, you guys notice that very quickly it's getting louder and louder and it just kind of, the, the, the force goes away but the noise stays and it just gets louder. And then you notice that on top of that, it's kind of getting brighter too. And you all, look up into the sky above you where you realize that the noise is coming from. And in the sky, you see a fiery meteor that's falling a million miles an hour, hurtling towards the earth. And the meteor splits into four parts as you see it. A blazing white ball of fire falls someplace just to the north. 
a deep blue inferno falls some, somewhere near the Merklands. A bright green orb of flames shoots to the northeast into the ash forest of Delane. And the fourth and final piece, an amber yellow, is quickly falling to the earth in your very location. The thundering sound grows louder and louder and louder until the fire from the sky crashes from the sky, absolutely obliterating the wagon right in front of you guys. There's a blast wave and it blasts all of you guys to the sides. The corpses of corpses of goblins fly through the air. You guys get blasted away. Sir Otis grunting and screaming as he's flying. A hand falls next to one of you guys as you land. Where the wagon was, now there's just a crater. It's about 25 feet across, 20 feet deep. What do you guys do? Babatha and Blep uh, immediately head towards the crater. I mean, this is going to be something. There's inevitably going to be something that she wants to collect here, even if it is just scorched earth. Because you'd be surprised how often scorched earth actually comes in handy as an artificer. A lot of potions call for it. And it's hard to get a good scorch on your own. Like, it really needs to kind of happen organically. Now, nobody nobody should go over there. It could be a very... Oh, damn it, Babatha! And Galtier takes off after her. <laughs> Finders keepers! Losers suck! <laughs> oh, by the lights, what in the name? Otis just, like, rolls over onto his stomach. <sighs> so, uh, Liza... In uh, moments where Liza loses all control over situations like if they get knocked out or if um, they are taken over by a magical spell or, or something like that, uh, sometimes their um, appearance can change uh, rapidly without their control. So instead of long black uh, hair that was kind of in a, a bun or a ponytail, it is now uh, bright white and it is uh, very short and curly, and their nails have gone from their classic uh, black thumbs, white pinkies, red other three fingers, to now all bright yellow. And it kind of mirrors the color of the um, meteor that had hit right in front of them, and their eyes are also bright yellow to kind of mirror this, this moment that just kind of took over out of nowhere and they are getting up, not really realizing that they've changed so far, but uh, getting up and just kind of like dusting themselves off, trying to figure out what the hell just happened and kind of stumbling where everyone else is going. That's very cool. Babatha, looking inside of it, you see a lot of smoke, a little bit. There's kind of these little spigots of fire in a few different places. Uh, Everything is... uh, blown away obviously so none of the wreckage of the wagon is inside of it but there's still like little spots that are on fire and they're kind of fluttering out as you're looking at it Um, and what you see is down at the very bottom in the center of the of this crater uh, is a a glowing red shard of what looks like some sort of a, a ruby maybe of some sort and right where it has driven itself into the ground for four or five feet on all sides around it the the dirt itself has kind of turned to glass and the the shard is just kind of uh, pulsing this red light this illuminating red glow 
is there heat coming off of it or any kind of energy? I mean, obviously, like, I assume that everything's kind of hot because, you know, a ball of fire just hit. But does it seem like, oh, if I, I can approach it, perhaps, or is it too uh, intense right now? Interestingly enough, it doesn't seem hot. So there's there's little bits of fire. The impression that you get is that the impact with the wagon created fire, but what has fallen from the sky itself was not hot. Babitha, I think, is going to kind of approach the edge of the crater and sit down on her butt and kind of scoot her way down, uh, kind of slide down uh, the dirt into the crater and I assume hits the glass in the bottom that somehow, for, force glass, as it were. It's, um, it's magic. It's pretty magic. It's ma- magic force glass. Uh, hits the bottom and kind of, you know, slides a little bit on her butt, lets out a little giggle, um, and then uh, approaches the shard. And uh, I think she wants to... She wants to investigate it, but I think first and foremost, she wants to see if it is uh, magical. I th- so that would be Arcana, correct? Uh, that would be correct. Okay. That is a 13 plus 3. That is a 16 Arcana. Based on what you've just witnessed varying colors landing in various places your your basic knowledge you would understand what would happen with some sort of meteorite or shooting star that sort of thing based on your knowledge with that and your general knowledge with magic you can't pinpoint what kind of magic this might be or what it might actually be but you have reason to suspect that there's something magical about this thing Great. Um, does it look like, is it stuck in the ground? Or like if I were to take my cloak off, you know, to drape around it and try to remove it. I mean, is it, how big is it? Um, it's about probably 10 inches, 11 inches. Um, and it's probably, I don't know, if a, it's kind of a taper shape. So it starts off, the, the point that you can see in the ground is pretty sharp. And then it kind of tapers up, and at the at the um, biggest point, it's probably um, three inches in diameter. Okay, and, so and I mean, it definitely is like a shard. So it's not a smooth shape or anything. It, it looks like it was, uh, like I said, it looks like a ruby shard. Okay, so uh, Babitha takes off her cloak uh, and drapes it over the shard, which her cloak is uh, probably just barely large enough, uh, you know, to fully cover it so she can kind of get both hands on it and really try to, you know, squat down and leverage and, and pull it up out of the ground. It kind of bum- bundled up. Uh, now, Miss Burke, doesn't wanna... please, please do be careful down there. I'd... I don't know that something like that, you should just be uh, reaching down and, and grabbing on. Seems mighty dangerous having just fallen from the heavens. Oh, heaven schmevens. Oh, Flip dear, can you, can you help me up? Uh, she uh, climbs on to, to Blep, just kind of basically holding on to his hat. You know, she just kind of lifts it up and straddles him and he does a, a just a straight you know, leap up and she hops off. She definitely can't ride Blep, but, uh, you know, he's 
He's a strong little little fella. He can help her out of a crater like this. Will you guys all give me perception checks, please? That is a 16 for Babitha and a 14 for Blep. That is an 18. 12 for Gaultier. For Golden-Eyed Liza. Okay. Liza and Babitha, as as you're um, climbing your way out of this crater, you're kind of getting a hand up from Otis and, Otis and Gaultier, who, who are, like, yanking you up out of this hole. Um, and you can see, like, back in the shadows behind, now you got this, this weird angle where you can see back into the uh, what we'll call the forest behind you. It's, it's very thin. Um, and you see the shapes of these three red leather armored people. And you can see them, like, weaving and bobbing their way through the trees running away from you guys and two out of the three the the big one that you see is is limping very bad Galtier you would know that the smallest one was also the quickest one um is also limping very bad whereas the other one is is in front trying to like help their friends through the woods um and you, you see them running away likely petrified regarding what just happened you know a star falling from the sky Wait, I can help. I can help you. If you just come back, I can heal that. Okay, you, you're gone. Well, you know, well, fuck you then. It, the, one, the one just turns back and looks at you for a second uh, and turns and runs again. You can't make out any sort of facial expressions or anything like that in this darkness. Um, Nick, uh, Gaultier has a um, sort of like noble education. Are there any like... I don't know, stories or myths or like, you know, is there a lot of meteor impacts in this place? Are there any like, you know, star forward sword type mythology stuff that he would know about? Yeah, I mean, that sort of thing exists. A lot of it is, you know, if you were going to hear a story about a star star forged sword, uh, that would certainly be like a myth, right? Like that's not something that really would happen. But again, you know, myths, they always have some sort of basis in, in reality. Uh, there's there's stranger things that exist in this world, you know what I mean? As far as, like, meteors and shooting stars, it's, you know, that's a pretty, not common occurrence, but it's, it's well documented that things like that happen. Um, now, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't have seen anything about any sort of... Uh, colored meteorites falling down right like it was it was very noticeable to you guys that each of these that broke off were a, a distinct different color okay and there's yeah we don't have any frame of reference for like what that is at all exactly that's a what the hell got it now miss barbage please please do be quite careful it seems that well it looks mighty warm down there is are, are your hands okay it's actually quite cool to the touch. I can't explain it. I mean, it looked like a ball of fire. You'd certainly think that things would be on fire, or at least a bit melty. But uh, it seems like it's actually just magic glass down there. Typical, standard impact magic glass. And Galtier kind of looks around and is like, Liza! Don't get your eyes down. Uh, take take a look at this down here. Uh, if, the, if the two of you take a look at this and can't understand... 
what we're looking at, well, that makes me mighty nervous. Uh, we're dealing with potentially things that uh, we cannot comprehend here. I mean, I have to say this is um, not something I deal with every day. I mean, I deal in wares uh, from my past. I deal in, in arcane and magical items from my current. Um, maybe celestial items are my future. Who knows? Um, I hear they're rather and, lucrative. Well, if I, if uh, I might interject a moment, I feel that it is my responsibility and my duty to report this and, well, turn it into the royal court. I'm not really sure. I, I would say we... I would say that it is worth it to report the happening. Do not know if it is worth reporting the object, maybe. Um, well, I mean, I sir. did clearly say finders keepers. So I obviously have got dibs on this rock. Yes, but so... the, but the uh, fire from the sky did also destroy the king's wagon, did it not? Well, I, I would. That seems that... like that seems like that's kind of your fault, though, isn't it, love? I mean, you kind of left, you just kind of left the wagon here in the middle. I mean, where it could just get hit willy nilly with rocks from the sky. I, have... I mean, you're you're implying that I should have moved it so that a meteorite could not have landed on it. <laughs> well, surely if you had just left it thirty feet to the right, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So obviously, this is not the sort of situation that someone can. Uh make an effective plan for but I do believe Sir Otis here is correct in that uh, all of these lands that you can see are under the protection of the grace of the king of Madrigal and of course if a star falls from the sky well I believe that makes him the first finder and potentially its keeper I do appreciate your support I would say as um, a member of um, a conscripted coven uh, who has been entrusted by the crown um, and uh, who has a, a, a master or a, um, a person who is far more educated in the arcane objects uh, than either Antibabs or myself the seer would do well to know about this considering their knowledge of objects that we may not understand um, and I, I would like to just uh, take a, a look myself, considering my past with wares and my current with uh, arcane objects and things like that. Well, we don't, we aren't exactly aware how well we're, well the proficiencies in the the intelligence and abilities of your coven might, well, it may pale in comparison to that of, <laughs> well, court mages and wizards, wouldn't you think? The uh, educated in the schoolyards type. I mean that. I mean this is the constant uh, argument, right? Of of uh, book smarts versus street smarts, of practical application versus theoretical application. These are all six one, half dozen of the other. It it all is. It's all relative, my man. Um, but uh, as Max, uh, can I just roll an Arcana check? Just to see if I know anything about this, sure, or sure, go ahead. or could anything from it, or investigate, I guess. 
I was really banking on on that going well, uh, and I got a solid ten. Similar to Babitha, you know, all all signs point to magic, but you can't pinpoint what type or why or what it could be. Liza pretty uh, regularly keeps uh, books on their person um, as a, a thing to pass the time and also just ways to study because they are somewhat more new to the world of the arcane arts and they're they're constantly trying to learn so they're reading a lot Liza is going to pull out one of their books and, and just say oh oh oh, oh. I, I, I do believe I remember a story from uh, a, a anecdote from one of my uh, arcane object history books um, that, that I believe mentioned things falling from the sky um let me go check, and I'm gonna go um, just flip through uh, one of my one of my like two or three books that I've got. Obviously, just trying to bullshit and like basically pull one over on Otis because I'm arcane and I know more magic than he does, and I'm part of this coven that is something that he I don't know whether or not he like fully gets what we're about. So I'm gonna try and kind of pull one over on him and be like, oh. This is totally, totally something that the Sierra would know about. I, I do think if we run it by them first, then we can go back to the king and kind of have a full picture of what we are looking at here. And I do believe that that could inform your perspective and make you look even better as we go back to the king and to the royal mages. I, I, I'm just trying to help you out here. Go ahead and roll a, a deception. I like this. Uh, I like the angle you're shooting for there. Oh, fuck yeah. 23. <laughs> Damn, okay. And uh, remind me again, where is your coven centrally located? Is it on the way to Madrigal? Um, I would say not exactly, um, but there are ways of contacting our other members uh, in a quick, um, judicious fashion that could um, make this entire thing um quite quite uh, uh not difficult babitha is sitting on a log on the side of the road she's got uh the her cloak and the large gem setting across her lap uh and she's got uh some very large uh, clearly, like magnifying goggles on, and is trying to uh, discreetly uh, chip away using her uh, tinker's tools, little chisel and hammer that she's uh, seems to have pulled out of nowhere. Uh, she's trying to chisel off little bit of the the stone to put into a jar. You know, just you never know when it's going to come in handy. It doesn't break. Interesting. Well, I better grab some scorched earth before we go, just to be sure. Um, I'm sorry. What? Like, Babitha, you turn to face the crater again, and everybody's eyes kind of follow you as you, as they think you're going to go try to get some of maybe that glass or something right where it landed. And as you guys all turn, you see a person crawl out of the crater. 
something incredible. What you see is a taller fellow and he's dressed in this slim fitting cloak and he's like reaching over the top of the crater and kind of pulling himself up as you're turning to to go back over there. His skin is like a dark shade of purple and this thick smoke emanates from all around him. It's almost like he's standing in a purple light and anytime he moves, he leaves this shadow of smoke, almost like a wake behind him. He crawls his way out of the crater and sees you guys all standing there. And at first he kind of looks confused and then he he repostures himself and gathers his demeanor and he starts to talk to you, except that when his mouth moves, nothing comes out. You can see that he's trying to talk and as you are not responding to him, he's growing frustrated and angry and he takes a few steps towards you guys. And you can see he's like pointing at you. He points to Galtier and then he points to Otis. And then he puts his hands up in this furious, aggravated gesture. And very, very quickly, his hands dip into his cloak. And they, when they come back out, you can see that each hand is equipped with these long serrated steel claws. He sprints towards you. Galtier, the one in armor, he sprints at you claws raised and he jumps and spins through the air just emanating this purple wake behind him spins through the air coming down trying to slash you and as he makes contact with you Gaultier on impact he bursts into this inky purple cloud of smoke and passes directly behind Uh, Gaultier has like thrown his shield up and like his The sword's coming up, but a moment too late because of how fast it moves. And as it through, he just, well, well now what in the sand hell? We'll see you next time. (laughs) Wait. Cast bitch mockery. I think my next character is definitely going to be an Owen Wilson uh, type guy. I, I think I've really got this down. And my face is quite honestly the worst part about it. But I think I get it done. Mom, this is not for you. Fuck. God.